0: This program is made possible by the giving of the God Called Partners of Renner Ministries. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick.
1: Hey friend, welcome to today's program. This is Rick Renner. And I've been waiting for you. And today I'm so pleased that we can take you back into a service that I preached at the Eagle Mountain International Church in Texas, which is pastored by our friends, pastors George and Terry Pearsons. It was a two-part series I did. The first part of the series is called How to Overcome a Spirit of Fear. And the second part, which I'm going to begin preaching for you today, is called How to Speak Faith to Yourself in troubled times. You know, Denise and I live on the front lines. In all these years, we have faced a lot of times that naturally speaking could be very troubling. But we learn to speak faith to ourselves in troubled times. Your tongue is very important. James chapter 3 says your tongue is like a rudder. It determines where you're going to end up. So you've got to speak the right words even when you're in troubled times. That's what this series is about, which comes with a tremendous study guide. And we're also offering you my book, which is called Life in the combat zone. If you think you're in the combat zone, this is the book that you need. So please go online to order all of these things or give us a call. And please let us know how to pray for you when you reach out to us. But today, before I return to my message, Denise is going to bless you. So buckle your seatbelt and get ready as Denise blesses you with this song. And then we will continue my message.
2: us yes.
1: to 2 Timothy chapter 1. The Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy. And how he begins in verse 1 is very, very important. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to, everybody say, according to. According According to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. But when you read it in the Greek text, those words, according to, is the little Greek word, kata. It carries the idea of being dominated by something, being conquered or being subjugated by something. And you could literally translate it, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, being dominated, being subjugated, being conquered by the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. And it was very important that he began in verse 1 with this declaration about life. Because at this particular moment, Nero had come to the throne in Rome and he was causing grave problems for Christians all over the major cities of a Roman Empire. And as I said on Sunday, if anybody could be nutty naturally, it would have been Nero because he was from quite a crazy family. His great-great-grandfather was Julius Caesar. Next, his grandfather was Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus ruled for 56 years and declared that he was God. Then it was passed to Tiberius. Tiberius was a sexual deviant. He ruled for 22 years and was so committed to entertaining himself with orgies that he left the city of Rome and retreated to the Isle of Capri, which was called a pleasure island where sexual activities took place 24 hours a day. And he took his nephew there, whose name was... Caligula and Caligula was abused by his uncle for nearly 14 years on the Isle of Capri. Then when his uncle Tiberius died, Caligula became the next ruler of the Roman empire and carried all of that abuse into his soul, into that public position. Finally, four years later, Caligula was so horrible. He was murdered by the military. And when he was murdered by the military, the throne went to his uncle, whose name was Claudius Claudius was married to a woman named Agrippina. Agrippina was the sister of Caligula, and she and Caligula had had an incestuous relationship. So this was a woman that had lots of abuse in her soul. Now she carries it into the imperial throne. And from a previous marriage, she had a little boy whose name was Nero. Nero. Well, Claudius had another son by a previous marriage. His name was Britannicus, and according to the rules, he should have been the next emperor. But Agrippina, who was a conniver and a manipulator, wanted her son Nero to be the next emperor, so she fed a bowl of poison mushrooms to the emperor Claudius. He died, and she declared her son to be the ruler of the Roman Empire at the age of 16. 16. Now, how many of you had a 16 year old? (laughs) Can you imagine teaching your 16 year old that he is God and then sitting him on a throne and telling him there's nothing wrong he could ever do. He could do anything that he wanted to do. Well, miraculously for the first five years, he was a pretty good emperor. In fact, they were called the golden years of Nero. But when he was five five years into his reign, he became very tired of people trying to control him and tell him what to do. So he began to systematically kill anybody that had a voice in his life. Finally, he killed his mother. When he got rid of his mother, something snapped in his mind and Nero really believed that he was God. And he really believed he was the finest artist and musician that had ever lived And because he was so deluded in his mind about his musical skills, he would stand on the stage and would sing something which was not permitted for royalty. And people were so terrified of Nero that we actually have one recorded example of a woman so pregnant that she gave birth to her baby during one of his concerts because she was afraid to walk out while he was singing. People were just terrified of him. And because Nero believed he was the greatest architect that had ever lived, he decided he would tear down the ancient city of Rome and build a brand new city and rename it Neropolis. And in the middle of Neropolis, he wanted to construct a home that was 300 acres. Now, Brother Copeland, you've got a big house but your house is not 300 acres. And he was going to call it the golden palace because the entire exterior was to be veneered in mother of pearl and then gold leaf was to be placed on top of the mother of pearl. And it was called the golden palace. When he went to the Senate and asked for permission to tear down the most ancient section of Rome, the Senate said, listen, you may think you're God and we tolerate a lot, but we're not going to let you tear down our homes So he went to his palace just on the outside of Rome, met with his servants, gave them the orders to start a fire in the Circus Maximus there in the city of Rome, and to do it at a time when no one would be available to put out the fires. The fire began to grow, the embers began to blow in the air, and suddenly the entire city of Rome was on fire. And after seven days... Three major sections of the 14 sections of Rome had been burnt to the ground, most notably the section where Nero wanted to build his palace. And when construction began on the palace, the Senate said, we finally have figured out who started the fire. Nero did this so he could build his palace. And they summoned him to the Senate for his own trial and possible execution And when Nero finally stood in front of the Roman Senate, he said, how could you think that I, Nero, would burn down my beloved city? I can tell you who did this. And the Senate said, give us evidence who who did this. He said that new group in town called Christians. And he brought five allegations about Christians. And this was the beginning of fake news. (laughs) Nothing new under the sun, my friends. Number one, he said, these Christians are lawbreakers. Every time they meet in their underground meetings, it is illegal and it's absolutely the truth because you couldn't meet without the approval of the emperor and he had never given permission for them to meet. So the Christians at that time, just like Christians today had to make a choice. Do we submit to the law of man or do we submit to the law of God? They had to make a choice. The law of man said, you may not assemble. The law of God said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. They had to make a choice whose law they were going to obey. And they chose to obey God's law. But by obeying God's law, it put them in opposition to man's law. Nero then said, not only are they lawbreakers, but in their illegal underground meetings, they're talking about another king and another kingdom. And of course, they were talking about King Jesus and they were talking about the kingdom of God. But by the time he was finished, he made it appear that Christians were subverters of government. My friends, there's nothing new under the sun. Then he said, not only are they lawbreakers and subverters of government, but number three, in their illegal underground meetings, they practice something called the law feasts. Well, the love feast was a meal and it was communion. But in the mind of pagan Romans, a love feast sounded like the wildest of orgies and he accused Christians of being sexual deviants. And so that you'll understand how bad he must have talked about Christians in this respect. Nero himself was married to two men. He was a sexual deviant accusing Christians of being sexually twisted. What in the world did he say? (laughs) Then he said, not only that, Christians are cannibals. The leader of their sect, Jesus of Nazareth said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And on the basis of that, he charged Christians with cannibalism. And he was so effective in this particular charge the Christians had to fight rumors of cannibalism for 200 years. That shows the power of fake news. And last, he said, I don't know why you would accuse me of burning down Rome. We should be listening to these Christians. They've been standing on our street corners declaring that one day in the future, a great judgment was coming. We should have listened because they were telling us they were going to burn down Rome. And by the time that Nero was finished, he was so effective in these allegations that the first governmental persecution was launched against the church after the great fire of Rome in the year 64. Now, if you read the book of Acts, you find there's lots of persecution, but it's not governmental persecution. It is all religious persecution. The first empire-wide persecution began in the year 64. It began in Rome, and from Rome, it went to all the major cities, including Alexandria, Antioch, and Ephesus. And Ephesus is where Timothy was pastoring the church. And suddenly, Timothy is devastated because people he thought would always be faithful are bailing and walking out on the church. These are people that he has walked worked with for three years, some of them even trained by Paul. But their faith had never been tested by fire. And there's something about fire that really reveals the genuineness of your faith. When you've never been tested by fire, you really don't know who you are. But when you've been tested by fire. It reveals, it exposes who you are. And now thousands and thousands of people are walking out of the church and abandoning Timothy. And not only that, because Timothy is the most visible leader in the city of Ephesus. He knows the reality is at any moment there could be a knock on his own door. He could be arrested for his faith. And if they arrest him for his faith, he knows these are Romans. They will make my death horrible as an example to scare other people out of their faith. And he knows that. And Timothy is so taken with a spirit of fear that he has written a letter to Paul. Where is Paul at the time that Timothy wrote to him? Paul's in jail where? Where? in Rome. Anybody know why Paul was in jail in Rome? He was not in jail as a Christian. He was in jail with the charge of arsony. They had rounded up all the Christian leaders in Rome and accused them of being the arsonists who planned the fire that burned down the city of Rome. And now Paul is sitting in a prison in Rome, not as a Christian, but as an arson. And all over the city of Rome, people are saying, they've captured one of the chief arsonists. And Paul is in prison. All the fake news being circulated throughout the city. Paul can't say a word in defense of himself. And now he gets a letter from Timothy. And the letter says, Paul, I have a spirit of fear. You can't possibly understand what I'm going through. (laughs) I'm so upset. I'm so struggling. And Paul even recognizes that Timothy is crying because in verse three and verse four, he says, I'm mindful of your tears. And scholars say that when he received Timothy's letter, he could see the stains of Timothy's teardrops on the letter. And Timothy is taken with a spirit of fear because of what he is looking at in his future. So Paul writes to him in verse 7 and says, Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. First of all, he says that fear is a spirit. He calls it a spirit of fear, and fear really is a spirit. You can feel it when it comes into the room. Panic comes with it. Fear comes with it. It is a spiritual presence. And the word fear that is used here is the Greek word delaya, which describes cowardice or something that causes you to move into retreat. Rather than move forward, you're moving backward. You're trying to protect yourself rather than take new territory. And now Timothy, rather than being the advancing pastor that he was, is so affected by fear that he is retreating into himself And Paul says, Timothy, God has not given you the spirit of cowardice that causes you to retreat, but he's given you power, love, and a sound mind. But if you have a spirit of fear operating in you, you cannot operate in power, you cannot operate in love, and you cannot operate in a sound mind. The word power, as Brother Copeland has alluded to several times, is the Greek word dunamis, And most people think the word dunamis is translated dynamite, and certainly it can, but the word dunamis by itself was the very word used to describe a force of nature, like a hurricane or a tornado or a earthquake which means when the power of God is operating inside us, we are supposed to be a spiritual earthquake with the ability to shake things up. We're to be a spiritual hurricane to blow things out of the way. But if you're operating in a spirit of fear, you can no longer operate in that. And not only that, the word dunamis is the very word which was used mostly by the Roman Empire to describe the full might of an advancing army, which means when the power of God is operating in you, you become the equivalent of a one-man army with the ability to push forward and to push darkness back. But when a spirit of fear is operating in you, you move into a retreat mode.
0: We are living in a world filled with uncertainty and fear. As an end-time generation, we are facing things we never dreamed we would face and previous generations have not ever had to deal with before. Sometimes it seems like darkness has been unleashed. And as a result, many people have been gripped with fear. Others deal with fear about their finances, their health, their family, their jobs, their future. But you do not have to give in to fear. You can learn to conquer fear and speak faith to yourself. The programs in this series are being offered as a two-message set in digital and physical formats, starting at just $20. And this series will include two study guides, how to overcome a spirit of fear and how to speak faith to yourself in troubled times. We are also offering life in the combat zone. Rick's classic book that deals extensively with the situation the early church faced during the brutal days of Nero. It was a time when there was betrayal in the church, defections from the ranks, and people were troubled. But they overcame fear and learned to speak faith to themselves. They learned how to survive, thrive, and overcome in difficult situations. And Rick will show you how you can do it too. Life in the Combat Zone is available for $17. Don't miss this special offer. The series, How to Overcome a Spirit of Fear and How to Speak Faith to Yourself in Troubled Times and the book, Life in the Combat Zone. Call the number on your screen or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now.
1: Hey friends, this is Rick Renner and today I want to give you a report about what's happening in the construction of our new studio. Work still continues. It's taken a little bit longer than we anticipated because of all the sanctions that have stopped materials from coming to Russia, but we're doing it step by step. And today they're installing the fireplace, which is going to be the centerpiece of this big room where we're going to be filming programs. But in addition to this, there's gonna be another set over here and another set over there. So many angles and opportunities to film teaching that people can trust in this room. But of course, this is just one room. But I have to tell you, I'm pretty excited about this room. To think the TV programs with the Word of God are going to be filmed right here. And when I look around this room, you can see this electrical grid that's gonna hold all the lights. It's on electrical pulleys, so it goes up, it goes down. It's just going to have everything we need to film the teaching of the Word of God. But hey there's more than this let me show you well I know you can't tell from what it looks like right now but this really is going to be one of the smaller studios and this is going to be Denise's studio because Denise is reaching women everywhere with her programming and right from this spot Denise is going to be sending her teaching to women all over the world but hey there's another set in addition to this one this is our third studio in this new building you may say why do you need three studios because we're filming a lot of programs right now we can only film one program at a time we have to set it up take it down but this will enable us to do multiple things at one time But on both floors of this building, there are multiple offices. In fact, there are 18 offices. And in all of these offices, people are going to be doing editing, writing, producing programs, working with our network. It is amazing the activity that's going to take place in this building. And it's not about buildings. It's about people. People need the teaching of the Word of God but it's your generous gifts that have helped us to build this and we will complete it. But right now we're in phase three of our ministry, which is paying off our Tulsa ministry headquarters. We wanna pay it off because the moment it's paid off, all of those funds will be released for us to broadcast the teaching of the word of God around the world. And that's really our goal to get the gospel and to teach people, the Bible, all over the world. They're just crying out for it. And they're waiting for that signal to come with the answer that they've been seeking. So please help us as we finish phase three to pay off the Tulsa facility. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32 says, call to remembrance the early days, After which you were illuminated, how you endured a great fight of afflictions. And it's very often the case that when you've had a revelation and you've been illuminated, a fight follows illumination. The devil doesn't just roll over and play dead when he sees you have been illuminated or you have received a revelation. He will put up resistance to try to stop you. And that's why I say a fight always follows illumination. But when you're in the middle of the fight, you need to make sure your mouth keeps speaking words of faith. Don't partner with the devil by speaking a lot of fearful words. You need to get a grip on your tongue and you need to speak faith even in a troubling situation. And that's what I cover in this series, which is called How to Overcome a Spirit of Fear and How to Speak Faith to Yourself in Troubled Times. I have learned how to do it. Believe me when I tell you, Denise and I have faced a lot of times that were naturally very troubling, but we learned to make sure we used our tongue like a rudder to keep us moving in the right direction. And we were enabled to push through all those troubled times and you can too. And that's why I want you to order this series, which comes with a study guide. And I also want you to order my book, which is called Life in the Combat Zone. The subtitle says, How to Survive, Thrive, and Overcome in the Midst of Difficult Situations. And when you reach out to us, please let us know how to pray for you. You can reach out to us or order all these things by calling us right now or by sending us your email. But Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that you teach us how to use our mouth to speak faith even in troubled times. In Jesus' name, Amen. I'll see you tomorrow, but remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there's power.
0: Renner Ministries is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ through every available media to the uttermost parts of the earth. Discover the many ways you can help us make a difference in lives around the world with the word of God. We invite you to partner with us in teaching, strengthening, and rescuing lives for the glory of God. Together, we can make a difference that will last throughout eternity.